0: Pastor's Cut Podcast. This is for the week of July 2nd, 2023, and we're going to be in Hebrews uh, latter part of chapter four and chapter five. But before we get to that, let's say hi to everyone around the table. Marissa, hi. Hello. You were out last week. You were on a choir tour with our students, and so we'd love for you just to share what happened last week from your parental standpoint.
1: Yeah. So I went with the youth choir to um, tour the Chicago area, mm. and we served the local church there and um, did different uh, kind of touristy things. And um, But I just love how this group of kids has joined together as kind of a family. And, you know, you always think of like cliques when you think of high school kids, and 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 maybe a little bit of Mean Girls infighting, but there is none of that.
0: What? Uh, yeah, it was kind of a little so disappointing. bit disappointing from the outside, I know. kind mm. of not very
1: entertaining. But but just to see that they're building relationships and um and learning how to worship God for themselves. So the whole goal is that when they graduate and they go out into the world, they'll have this firm foundation and always know that there's a safe place here at First Baptist to come back to.
0: Yeah, that's so. great, and and. Jeff is so complimentary of our students and their their maturity. And, um, again, my kids growing up, it was one of their favorite trips.
1: Yeah, as far as maturity goes, there were some uh, silent football games at night that kind of put that to test. But I don't know about maturity, (laughs) but loving <laughs> good kid.
0: The only way you can grow is to grow through that. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, that's looking to the past. Let's look to the future. Dave McPherson, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. What's on the radar screen for, for the future this summer? So
2: I'm actually pretty excited. I've been cooking up an event with a couple of key leaders in our church for men, and on July 28th, that's a Friday night, we are going to have Clay Martin, who happens to be an NFL ref, come hang out with us. He's part of our church. He teaches in one of our community groups. He's going to show us some footage of of game time and what he's looking for as a ref when he's analyzing a game. And then we're gonna have a conversation from there to talk about how God has designed us as men to be men who are intentionally in the game, and are inviting others and cultivating others to grow closer to God in the game.
0: That sounds like a blast. So now, as, as our church members hear about this, I think there'll be a lot of interest in this. Say they want to invite somebody who's not a church member. My my vote is no. That you must be a member of First Baptist Church in order to come to this event.
2: And you have plenty of time to join the church. To there be you go. Able to you, come. Got, you got it. Go. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> no. It's always open. to I, Outsiders. I'm kidding. I'm mm-hmm, using mm-hmm. irony here. Obviously. But, but yes. You should move your membership here before you go. No. So so it's an open invite to anybody in the community. Open invite. Man, we're getting... The more the merrier. We're getting crazy with this stuff. I know. Getting crazy. Uh, What's on my radar screen is our Senior Adult Bible Study. Boy, that just does not sound as fun as Clay Martin, though. Uh, We're doing a Senior Adult Bible Study for Wednesdays in July. We'll be doing a lunch from 1130 to 130. Uh, Jim Meyer, Paula Spoo, Kathy Bankston. I'll be facilitating a little bit, but our study will be on heaven, and senior adults can sign up in their community groups or uh, online or call the church office. Looked like you are about Perfect. to say something else that I was stepping on you.
2: I don't know. Senior adult Bible studies can be equally fun or well, more fun well, than we're talking Martin. We're
0: talking about heaven. So would you rather talk about football or heaven?
2: That's the question, yes. Football.
0: Football. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> no, so we got a lot of great things going on, and uh, let's jump in. Let me talk about the podcast. We are in Hebrews right now, and uh, man, it's... Uh, it's a tough book, I'm not gonna lie to you. Just as I prepare through this, you know, there are some books that the flow, the, uh, the understanding of it comes very intuitively, not so with Hebrews, not whining, I'm just saying I'm having to step up my game just a little bit, uh, but there's one passage in particular that has caused a lot of distress for theologians and um, Christians over the years, and it's Hebrews chapter six. Um, actually, it actually starts in chapter five, verse 11, and the passage goes all the way through the complete chapter of Hebrews six. And it makes it seem as though a person, if they act poorly or act up enough, that they could lose their salvation. So I will not be dealing with this passage on Sunday morning. But we, as a podcast team, we can do this. We got it. <laughs> we're at least
2: going to dive and give it our best effort. Yeah, yeah.
0: yes, we will. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to get together. That will be a podcast only. Uh, so, so as we record that, I think we'll record that the first week in July. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll deal with that passage. So if you've read ahead and you know the challenges of Hebrews, that'll be one that we deal with just in our mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, but preparing for, um, what did I say this was, July 2nd? July 2nd. Okay. Just before July 4th. There we go. Uh, we are dealing with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 510. And I'm going to ask Marissa with the great reading voice, to read this entire passage, sure. talking about Jesus being our great high priest, which I think is one of the major themes, and um, the, the writer of Hebrews seems to come back to this over and over again. Mm-hmm. So let's read this passage, and we'll deal with it.
1: Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek.
0: All right, so um, I stated here a minute ago that one of the themes of of Hebrews, the theme that he keeps returning to, the writer, uh, is that of, of Christ being our priest. And he'll take this from a couple of different angles, because again, the name Hebrews means that this was written to Jewish Christians as they took on Christ as their savior, they would kind of naturally move away from some of the hierarchy and some of the theology, not theology, but some of the practices of their Jewish faith. And it was very important for Jews to have this high priest. So if they moved away from the yearly sacrifices, who was their high priest? Uh, we'll get to this later, uh, but one of the problems with Jesus being our high priest is he was not a descendant of Levi.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And because he was from the tribe of Judah, they nowhere in the Bible is it said that they are allowed to be priests. So the writer will reframe Jesus being priest in the order of Melchizedek. I don't know if we plan to touch on that today, but we certainly will touch on it here in a couple of weeks when we mm-hmm. get to chapter 7. That's the big mm-hmm. deal. So here's this idea of Jesus being our high priest. Y'all go for it. What stands out to you? I mean, I,
2: I think through this entire passage, the the author is is challenging us to wrestle with who is Jesus. I, I remember a few years ago I read an article um, entitled "Who Is Tiger Woods?" When Tiger Woods had an automobile accident, his career, the first wave of his career, was was coming was crashing down. His wife had left him and had separated him. It almost felt like his life was unraveling before his eyes. And um, he commented to the press. The press asked him, well, how are you doing with everything? And he said, oh, come on, guys, you know me. And the author of this article was saying, do we really know him? All we yeah. know is that he gets endorsements, that, that he is really good at golf, or he was good at golf <laughs> until all these, these issues guy. started coming up. <laughs> but who is he? We didn't really know because we didn't let him in. But the author of Hebrews does let us in. He gives us a picture of who Jesus is as one. And I think the biggest thing, at least in the first chunk there, is that... The author says in, in verse fifteen, we we have a high priest who is un, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way, and yet was without sin. There's something about that idea of weakness. As I was reading up on, on Greek in the Greek text, it's it's this idea of a propensity for moral failure or or, or for sinning. Jesus didn't sin, and yet he experienced. The propensity that we all experience, instead of God being aloof or being distant, that it somehow sympathizes from a distance by waving and saying, yeah, good luck with that, Jesus actually entered into our world, entered into our sin, and he wants to walk with us and partner with us, and even as a part of that,
0: even rescue us and pull us out of where we are. There's real power when you share a problem with somebody if they say, I I understand, I know, I've been there before. And and that's what I like about these opening verses. Fourteen seems to focus on the heavenly identity of Jesus, but verse fifteen says he's down in he's down in the dirt with us, he's down mm-hmm. in the weeds with us. So there's mm-hmm. this idea of, of knowing who Jesus really is, of knowing his divinity, but also the incarnation of Christ. So so if I were teaching this, I would focus a bit on the uh, you know, the heavenly identity. He's ascended into heaven, but verse fifteen, he's very down to earth. So
1: yeah. So when we read Hebrews, this comes up again and again, and it's something we need to remember that, that the author isn't um, criticizing the old system, but he's showing that this old system was, was pointing to the promise of God to make a perfect system. Everything that he set up in the past was just a foretaste of this divine perfect truth that was fulfilled in jesus
0: that's a better word so as as jewish christians move out of the old system into the new Mm -hmm. the new and improved system sure sure the The
1: continuation the the fulfillment the perfection uh, of the system yeah yeah so you have these uh this this reflection of um of the kingdom of god in the role of the high priest but where the high priest was human and frail and still had weaknesses just like we did you know he the Verses of Hebrews said he offered atoning sins for himself as he himself was a sinner. You know, during Yom Kippur, he could only go into the Holy of Holies that one day. Jesus Christ ascended into heaven before the throne of God. He is the Prince of heaven. So we have in this perfect high priest, the fulfillment of the high priest role, someone who's not just allowed to go before God with a rope around his waist one day a year, but someone who is fully at home here on earth and in heaven that ascended to heaven and has the authority to approach God at any time. And he also has this perfect uh, mixture of deity and humanity, this righteousness and compassion, where just like you said, you know, his incarnation makes a difference. Um, when we hear of a tragedy happening, um, like I think about the, the train derailments in India, we can be sorrowful because, you know, you just imagine the great loss of life and how people are feeling, but, you know, that sorrow is not the same as if that was the train you took every day or if a friend of yours was on the train. Jesus was here with us. His This word sympathy means to suffer alongside with. Mm-hmm. So he has this intimate knowledge both of God and of us, just like you guys said, and knowledge of our limitations, our brokenness, and a heartbrokenness over it because he was there with us. Um these verses weirdly reminded me of a story that Elsa told me a few years ago or a few months ago, rather a little girl in her class asked Elsa, my uh, fourth grade daughter, if she would be sad, if she died, if this little Mm. girl died, Elsa, would you be sad? And because my daughter is still working on, Empathy. She said, Oh, well, I would be sad for your family. <laughs> and, you know, that's not exactly what the girl was wanting.
0: <laughs> it might have
1: been an honest response, but it certainly wasn't a very sympathetic so one. So I heard we
0: need to pray for Elsa. Is that yeah, what I'm hearing? We, in this? We've had discussions. Okay.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But God, He promised this perfect priest who would enact this role in perpetuity. He, you know, this was the fulfillment of everything that Aaronic priesthood was pointing towards.
0: So, so before we get to the priesthood, and I want us to deal with that because that is the main thrust of this passage. But you know, verse fourteen, you know, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Verse fifteen, he's down to earth. Verse sixteen is the application of that. What does that mean for us? That we can approach God's throne with uh, of grace, with confidence. And I've taught this before, and I'll probably throw this in that that idea of approaching is actually a nautical term for Mm -hmm. a sailor sailing into port. He's familiar with the port. Uh, he knows where the rocks, the shoals, the, you know, he knows where to go and where not to go. Mm-hmm. And so because we, we know Christ, we have this freedom to approach God boldly and confidently. Uh, I was watching a documentary the other night on cruise ships. Big mistake. Because my (laughs) wife loves to cruise, (laughs) and so after watching this documentary together, it's like the secret life of cruise ships, and Mm. she's like, I want to book our next trip right now. Even still. So has (laughs) has it been booked? Well, it has not been booked, so it's actually the Secret Life sorry, of Cruise Ships. Sorry it's, for the,
2: the rabbit
0: trail. There. I think
1: a lot of norovirus is when I think about the Secret Life of Cruise Ships. <laughs> yeah, so that well, oh.
0: this documentary it was probably funded by the cruise industry because mm-hmm. they showed how everything has to work together. You know, from the food trucks being delivered on the turnaround day, and all. And so yeah. it was very complimentary. Gotcha. Yeah. This way, <laughs> so it was not that the cruise uh, lobby. It's not the this the the underbelly. It was just the <laughs> behind the scenes. Uh, but there are some ports that are so shallow they were not made for these huge vessels. So the port of Miami, where these mega ships go into, you actually have, a, have to have a port pilot get on board the ship. So the captain of the vessel does not pilot into the harbor because he doesn't know it well enough. Mm. Mm. But the pilot that he knows that port better than any other pilot. Dang it! I think I'm going to use this in the message. Yeah, this, this is pretty good stuff. Yeah. So uh, the pilot will come on and he knows exactly where to take the cruise ship. That's who we have accompanying us into the presence of God. Mm. Jesus is our our pilot, uh, and so He guides us in. and We can go in. We put our lives in His hands. We can go into the presence of God with grace and confidence.
1: Mm. I think I'll use that.
0: That's a pretty good illustration. That just amazing. kind of came to me. All right. So, so let's. You know do... what I'm resisting saying right now. So. What? What? That'll
1: preach, Darren. No, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just big boats, by the way.
0: It's not just. It's little boats too. Like when Josh raced, raced his sailboat over to Bermuda there are so many rocky wreaths around that neck of the woods that you have to get a pilot to bring your little you boat go. into harbor. There you go. Because you'll break the bottom. You'll break it up. Yeah. So Marissa just said those magical words, Brad, that that'll preach. That'll so preach. flashback to seminary, every time I would say something or a seminary student would say something in class, somebody would say, that'll preach. And I was like, <laughs> I don't like you anymore. That's that's like... If you were looking for a reason to say amen, you just missed it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So anytime somebody says, that'll preach, I'll go, well, I'm never talking about that again. All right, so let's get into the heart of chapter 5, Jesus being our our priest. Um, What do we got here, Dave? What's on your mind concerning Christ as our high priest? So as I look at the... I think it's important
2: for us to look at the big picture, and I think if I were teaching this in our community group, I would encourage... um, everyone to to ask the question remind us again what was the big picture what what is the author done up to this point in hebrews and what is he trying to do because in every other passage we've looked at so far it's been jesus is bigger than this jesus is bigger than that jesus is superior to this system Mm -hmm. um and so here we have once again him presenting that jesus is superior so what does that mean for us and and who what is what is the author saying about who jesus is so as I look at that, Jesus was appointed by God to take care of sin, Jesus is qualified because of the cross, fast-forwarding a little bit. Even, even this quoting of Psalm 2 and Psalm 110, it reminds us even of that argument from early on in Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 2, that, that Jesus was God, and Jesus is man, and Jesus is able because of that to bring something to the table that's different than what any other priest could do that was just temporary, it was just for a season.
0: Very good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, it all goes back to Moses was good, but Christ is great. And why would we want to go back to what we had before? Yes. I mean, it all, it's all very Ephesians too. Um, where it's why would you? That was good, but why would you go back? You've tasted what's great. And that'll um, preach. It'll preach, man. <laughs> <laughs> you You know, and and what an amazing gift this whole four fourteen through five ten. To have the Son of God to represent us and advocate for us, um, to be represented by the ideal, the very, very best, more like to be represented by somebody beyond our wildest imagining. Um, I think of us all as you know, um, a defendants in court who have kind of been assigned a court-appointed attorney, and if you've spent a lot of time in the court system, you know that that can kind of rain the quality of attorney that you would have would. Very wildly,
2: right. So mm-hmm. you might
1: have someone who is very committed to justice, who takes his role seriously, who gives you his attention. But then you could also have somebody who's very overworked and doesn't want to represent you, who doesn't sympathize with you. Um, and that was very much like the high priest. You had people who very much took the role seriously. But then later on, in the time of Jesus, it became a political position where people drew lots or uh, you know did political favors. and And at the time of the end mm-hmm. of the second temple, it was a very corrupt system, and, and people knew that. So this is a response to that corruption. Um, but I think of someone who, who you know, knows that they're guilty and is in a court of law and wants desperately to be represented well but knows that they don't have a chance, uh, knows that the book's about to be thrown at them, and then in walks the best attorney in town, best attorney in the, in, you know, in the United States. And, um, and you know, he gives you his complete and full attention. Um, and he sympathizes with your experience, and he has kindness and mercy and lets you know that you are more than the charges against you. Um, And then you find out that that advocate is also the son of the judge. (laughs) There you go. And and it's not a conflict of of interest in this case. This is just mercy. This is compassion. Because of Christ, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And why would we want to go back to being represented by a human being with all the weaknesses that we have when we have the advocacy of the Son of God?
0: That, that's it. And that's where mm-hmm. the, the light bulb hopefully would come on for the reader and for us. Uh, this is not only—Christ is not only our high priest, he's also God's Son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you were, were telling that story about the the advocate and the judge, I, I was thinking about a friend of mine who uh, took over pastoring a, a very large church after— a, A person who had had a like a 40-year tenure in fact Mm -hmm. he had founded this church and you know he was real coat and tie type person and here comes in my friend who's this younger pastor he doesn't wear coats and ties and all that stuff he's much more relaxed and the older pastor says you know well if you were to go to visit the president of the united states would you walk into his office without a coat and tie he said well probably not but if the president of the united states were my dad yeah i probably would so that that older pastor i'm not communicating it very well as ideas you should come before god with your best, well, God's also our Father, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and we can approach Him as we really are, and um, and also with Jesus being God's Son. Boy, we had, it's not what you know, it's who you know, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what the heart of this is. Plus, our best is in God's eyes, yeah. not all that, not all that special, honestly. <laughs> am, am I just trying to get out of wearing a tie on Sunday morning? That ship done sailed a long yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah,
1: you don't need to justify that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone that was mad at you is already gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I how you get rid of that?
0: Whatever we do, Brad, do not cut that part out. Of the no, that, that, that stays. God stays. To, to, <laughs> they took the
1: hymnals and left.
0: Got it. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we are going to cut that part out. No, no, we're going to leave it in. Marissa, oh, without that. power, has a little edge. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, yeah. We can approach God with uh, with confidence and courage, with grace, with confidence. Uh, I do like the way this passage ends, where it talks about Jesus learned obedience through mm-hmm. what he suffered, and, um, and probably where I'll go when I teach uh, this on Sunday morning and what you may want to do in your community groups. Let's think about the hardest things of Jesus's ministry in life. You know, what, what were the most difficult points? I mean, it could be, you know, no sooner was he born, but he was a hunted man. Yeah. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we feel like the whole world is against us. His closest friend, Judas, betrayed him at the end, you know, one of his closest friends, and, and Peter denied him, you know, so mm-hmm. there's those relational elements if you've ever felt betrayed or hung out to dry. Um, everything that we could imagine going through, Jesus has already been there and back. And so when we suffer, we know that, that we don't suffer alone, he suffers with us, mm-hmm. which is that, that sympathy, that compassion that Christ has. Um, do we want to talk about Melchizedek or save that for later?
1: Hebrews 7 is going to cover it pretty well, but, yeah. but we can dip in if we want.
0: Well, it it kind of it puts that last word there as Melchizedek. Who is mm-hmm. that? What in the world is happening there? <laughs> so I, I think let's do wait on that because it seems to he tends to kind of do a sidebar with the rest of chapter 5 and chapter 6, and then chapter 7, boy, he comes back and hits Melchizedek um, right between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, was, I was punches him square in the he nose. I'm sorry. I'm he goes still, Bruce Willis on, I'm still, on the guy. I'm still reeling from the idea that people have left over ties and hymnals. So, wow. It's so
1: a just, revelation mm, for you. Just
0: brought,
2: no, it's <laughs> not. So if I were teaching this, another question I would ask from verse 9, the author says that Jesus was made perfect. I would ask the question in the community group, does that mean Jesus wasn't perfect before? What, what do you do with that? That because that's quite an interesting verse in the middle of that.
0: Yeah. So what would you do that if, if we're telling, kind of coaching the teachers on how to handle that because it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting. Don't wing it. Don't <laughs> don't, yes, <laughs> don't, don't wing it. Don't wing <laughs> it.
1: Do some stoning.
2: Go ahead and read it in context. Read the next couple of verses as a part of that. I I would almost question the interpretation of. Perfect, because mm-hmm. that's the word "telios." It means it can mean perfection. It also means completeness or wholeness. Yep. And I would rather interpret that as completeness or wholeness necessarily than perfection. That there's something about Jesus' sacrifice that then took care of our sins before the cross. We knew that Jesus was going to the cross to die on the cross to take care of our sins, but it wasn't until Jesus died on the cross that the price for sins was taken care of, and that Jesus rose from the grave that He actually proved that He had the power and the authority to do what He said to do. So this, that cross event was central to us coming to Jesus and coming to God through what Jesus did through the cross. And so I would talk about that event as a crucial point in history, as a
0: part of that. Was Jesus perfect before that? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. But, but now his, his understanding of our plight is complete because yes. he's been there himself. Right. Yeah. And the solution to our plight is complete. Yes. Yeah. Marissa, you got anything else?
1: No, I agree with you, Dave, that that perfection is a completeness, is the fulfillment that we're talking about. And, and um, his essence was perfection and sonship from the very beginning. But the things that he learned through learned obedience, which does not mean that he made mistakes and learned from them, but rather that he honed perfection, that he comp- that he uh, constantly made the correct choice when he was tempted, that he constantly was in obedience, and so that he perfected obedience.
0: He perfected perfection.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: How about that? And maybe even provided a model for us, like Philippians mm-hmm. invites us to look at, at the model of Jesus, the model of Timothy, the model of Epaphras, as people who... Uh, individuals who are pursuing Jesus, and Jesus who was pursuing God, who who followed God no matter what mm-hmm. suffering may come. So the author of Hebrews invites us to follow God no matter what suffering may come.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: If our teaching this, and this is just kind of the final word, I, I would remember that Hebrews is a book of exhortations, and you know you see them in every chapter, and sometimes more than one in each chapter. Here's this real punchy kind of bottom line. Here's the way you need to live, and and in this section. Uh, it is chapter 4, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. A great way to end this teaching would actually be, as as a community group, what do we really need to be praying for in our day, in our mm. lives, in our circumstance? Let's just not come to God and say, God, thank you for today and you know, bless me and my family. Let's really get down to business. Uh, we can approach God about anything, and we can do that with grace and confidence. Mm. So... All right, I think that wraps it up for us today. And um, so, yeah, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.